0: Let me tell you about Ayrton Senna, okay? You obviously know I I watch a bit of Formula One. Ayrton Senna is regarded perhaps as the greatest racing driver in the history of the world. He had fame, every voice you could imagine, but on the 1st of May, 1994, he had a terrible crash on the San Marino circuit at a turn. His car left the track at incredible speeds hit a concrete wall, and instantly killed Ayrton Senna. It's the end of a driving legend. They still speak about him now. If you watch Formula One now, they still speak about him. So it's the end of Senna's life. There's a question we're asking. The 34 years of Senna's life, is that it? Is that really the end of Ayrton Senna? just a mere, look, 34 years. That's not a lot, is it? And so what we want to do, we want to come to the Bible, and we want to ask the Bible that question, or rather, we want to hear what the Bible says on that. Is sinners' existence over? When we die, is that it? Because the answer to that determines how we live. If this is it, then I need to grab everything I can, right now, every opportunity, make the best of life, think about myself, and only about myself, you see, and so it's an important question, is there anything beyond this, and so let's see what the Bible says, our first setting is a giveaway, but I want to demonstrate from you from the Bible what, it actually says there's a resurrection to life at the end of time. Verse 25, I tell you the truth, says Jesus, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. This is Jesus speaking. I want you to notice the gravity of what he's saying. He's speaking about the likes of Senna here, and he's suggesting, if we hear him correctly, that Ayrton, Senna, and all who have died, okay, will again resume consciousness, okay? Will yet again resume the ability to move, to, to have motion, They will again come into existence, that though they're dead now, verse 25, highlighted on the next slide there for you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of God. Can you see what that's saying? That my 70 years or 80 or whatever it may be, who knows? Hey, okay? The other day I thought I was going to be eaten by a shark. Seriously. Who knows? You never know, do you? Uh, You know, I I meant... I meant Jingo, the shark. Okay, uh, you, you don't know, do you, what the future is? But but what Jesus is saying, whatever number of years it is, he wants us to be assured that our bodies, though they will see decay, though they may be spread across many miles, okay, that a time is coming towards the end of human history when he will reconstitute our bodies Atom by atom. And breathe life back into us, ensuring that we're reanimated and living again. It's what he says. Can you see what that says about his power? If Jesus can indeed do this just by his speech, what is that saying about the power he possesses? It's incredible. Incredible. Look, look, you've had kids. Look, I mean, look, just look at the authority of, of your voice. Jerry, you say to your little five-year-old, cast your mind back a couple of years, okay? You know, you know Johnny, okay? Don't go in the biscuit tin. What, it, what effect will your voice have on that child? Very little, okay? We can hardly get someone, a living being to obey us. When Jesus speaks, okay, when he speaks, even that which doesn't exist comes into existence. Let me ask you, What word did Jesus speak at the beginning of time and what occurred as a result of it? What word did Jesus speak at the beginning of time? What did he say? Someone give me the words. What words did he say at the beginning of time and what was the consequence? Let there be. That was Jesus. We know that, don't we? Okay? That was Jesus. Colossians. All things were made by him. Okay? Okay, uh, obviously it's a Trinitarian verse, but, the, but who spearheads that? Jesus, okay? Okay, Jesus spoke. So it shouldn't surprise us that if Jesus can speak matter, ex nihilo, okay, out of nothing, right? It shouldn't surprise us that he can speak to a dead person, however fragmented their bodies may be, okay, and say, live. And atom by atom, the human body will instantaneously reconstruct, and he breathed life into it. The first thing I want us to to see from Jesus' words is that there is a resurrection to life at the end of time. Whoever we are, however long we've been dead, however fragmented our body may be, at his word... We will reappear in our form, as we know, as, as humans at least. Next question we're going to ask. Okay, if that is the case, what does that mean? Do I get to live in Three Dernan Court? It's not quite my dress. It's somewhere around there. Okay, does that mean I get to go back? I can wear my jacket again, because I quite like this jacket, okay? Right? It came with me all the way from the U.K., 10,000 kilometers or miles. I'm always getting confused these days. Miles, kilometers, dollars, pounds. Why don't we just all use the same thing? For goodness sake. Okay, they tried that in in Europe and it didn't work. Okay, Um, so look, I've completely lost my uh, uh, train of thought there. Okay, but the resurrection, what comes after it? Okay, if there is a resurrection, what follows next? Do I get to live back in my old life, my old car, or is it different? Okay, do I get to go back to see my best buddies and say, I'm back. How you been? What's up, dude? Okay, is that how it is? What is it like after the resurrection? Let me show you, because it's not funny, actually. It's not actually very funny at all. It's a very serious reality. Listen to this second point. There's a judgment to face after our resurrection. Verse 22 of John 5. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. And he has given him authority to judge because he's the Son of Man. By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. At the end of time, when we are resurrected to life, every human being who has ever lived will be summoned to face what? Judgment. To have our lives weighed. Okay? And for our lives to be judged. Back in 2008, and, and and 12, I had a bit of time out from church between when I finished at one church and I, and I began at another. And so rather than just sitting on my bum, I got myself a job. And I only say that because look, you may lose your job and you may be out of employment, but I've almost always found it's because you're unprepared to get your hands dirty. Okay? It's all, I've almost always found that. You know, and one of the things I wanted to do as a pastor, I can't stand here and tell people to move out of your trade and get any job rather than sit at home. And Don't tell me you can't get a job, okay? Although I ought to at least try and get a job so if, if, I can at least see what it's like. One of the things pastors forget when you go into ministry is what it's like to hold a job nine to five. And it was a good reminder for me for, those, for that year when I was back in the factory, it was a rude awakening Okay, getting up, getting up at five thirty every morning, getting home at six. Okay, and then going to the prayer meeting, and it's a reminder. You know, hey, God, you know, when I'm asking people to do this, I have to be mindful. It's tough. And so I went back to work for a bit, doing the most menial job you can imagine. Okay, making plastic components. Okay, one every ten minutes. Dum, I did that for eight to ten hours every day, okay? But I met some very interesting characters. And, one of the, and what I noticed on the shop floor, that some people would come in at seven o'clock, okay? Brand new to the company, okay? And by 12 o'clock, they had the bag in their hand, and they're walking out. What do you, th- what do you think had happened? What happened? No, they didn't resign. And then, hey, no, something, something worse. What do you think happened? Got the sack. Okay. From the minute he touched the shop floor, okay, the gaffer, they use that term in this country, the gaffer, you know what the gaffer means? The boss. God's sake. They told me they speak English here. Okay. Right. Okay. The gaffer, right? Right. He's watching. And within a couple of hours, he's assessing. And by lunchtime, he deemed that this man is incapable to do this job. And by 12 o'clock, he's walking out. I'm like, see you, mate. Cause I obviously tried to befriend him quickly for the sake of the gospel. Like, see you, buddy. But I think I hadn't got his address by that time. I was in the gate after lunch, you know. Uh, and so, look, we know life can be like that. A time is coming. And here's what Jesus is saying, is when he resurrects us, it will be the time for reckoning for how we've done on the shop floor. That's the point here. It'll be the time of reckoning for how we've done on the shop floor since 7 a.m. Notice this, verse 22 again, more of the father judges no one, but he's entrusted all judgment to the son. Okay? Hey, you know, I always think that makes it sound like, phew, I'm glad it's not God. Because Jesus, is, he's kind of cool. And he's, he's actually really cuddly and cute. Okay, And he did wonderful things to people. Hey, I'm, I'm glad it's Jesus. You haven't got a clue if that's what you feel. Who Jesus really is. What did he say in John 14 to Philip who wanted to see the Father? Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus is fully God and though in condescension he became a man he's actually a fiery awesome being remember what John did when he saw him in John 1 when John remember John was his closest disciple lay on his chest okay Remember what John did when he saw Jesus now arrayed in his glorious God? Someone tell me, what was his response? Spontaneous. He fell down at his feet as though dead. He didn't rub and cuddle him, buddy. he feared him. Okay, so everything think Jesus is going to be a light judge. We haven't got a clue who he is. This is God Almighty, and so Hebrews nine. Listen to this: Man is destined to die once, and then to face judgment. <clears throat> one of the things I've noticed, I mean, uh, in Australia, in the time we've been here, is much more sparsely populated. When we were on a holiday on the next peninsula, was it called York Peninsula? There's no one around. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> no one around. It's like, where are the people? Okay, okay. Hey, if you go on holiday in school holidays in Britain, you can't move. Okay, okay, but it's just great. So I don't mind. It's quite nice having a bit of bit of space. But that obviously means you don't have as many cemeteries. Okay, you know, well, I, I certainly haven't haven't come across many in Britain that everywhere, because it's so densely populated. If you walk around a cemetery, or a graveyard, you often see those initials. What do they mean? Rest in Peace. Do you know that when Jesus returns at the end of time, he will disturb every grave? However pretty the tombstone, the gravestone, he will wrench it apart and he will violently bring out the occupant. Okay, there is no real peace. No one in the graves will be resting for long, says the Bible. Here's what's going to happen. Listen to this, Revelation 20. Let me take you to it. Then I saw a great white throne and him who is seated on it. It's a judgment throne. Therefore, I okay, guess a clue, so don't get this wrong. It's a judgment throne. Who's sitting on it? Thank you. Jesus. OK, then I saw the Great white Throne and him who's seated on it Jesus. Earth and sky fled from His presence. What's that telling you about Jesus? If you haven't got the picture by now, what is that telling you about Jesus? Earth and heaven fled from His presence. What's that telling you about him? He's a scary person. OK? He's a scary person. Heaven and Earth fled from him verse 12 then i saw so john is seen. he's seen the picture of the future okay this is the end of time and then i saw the dead yes so what i can show you millions of them but now listen there's more then i saw the dead great and small yeah we know that what are they doing standing before jesus standing before jesus What is that telling you? What happens to a dead person, okay, when they die? What happens to their ability to do what I'm doing right now? Lose it instantly. Okay, so we're now seeing, John sees every person who's ever lived standing. What's happened to them? They've been resurrected to life. They're living again. They're alive again. They're standing before Jesus. and Notice uh, who it is. It's, it's not just some. Look, what, what's this term talking about? The great and the small. What's that suggesting about who's there? Everyone. Wherever you're standing, however big your bank balance or small, you're standing there. And the books are open. Look, the dead were judged according to what was recorded in the books and the books were opened. What's that going on about? What book? Yes, yes, there's certainly that one too, and, and our names have to be in there. But in addition, I think there's a focus here. This is the book that contains... Because look, what, what is it doing? And, and they'll be judged according to what was recorded in the books. This contains what? Your life. This is your life. Do you have that program here? When the guy goes with a red book and he tells you your whole life, this is your life. Look, we understand the when books is archaic. Say, Who has books? Well, we have them. <laughs> okay, we're obviously pretty archaic. Look, you understand the cloud. What happens to the cloud? And we're not talking about the white fluffy things. Okay, <laughs> what happens to the cloud? What does the cloud do for us? Stores information. Okay, and it can store an incredible amount of information. When he says that the books will be opened, this is still this is talking about the cloud where it recorded the details of your life and mine every detail of your life and mine look look at matthew 12 and i show you the 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 detail involved here matthew 12 36 but i tell you men will give an account on the day of judgment for how many careless words are spoken how many Every. 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 so this storage how much information do you think this storage is holding on Lorraine? Everything. That's the point here. Okay, this is a storage device. Look, if Google can have give you unlimited photo space, and that's only Google, how much space do you think God can hold in the cloud? Okay, unlimited. So the idea is that the dead are standing before Jesus, and there's an unlimited amount of resource on them, in the cloud. Okay, look, we, under- we can understand this from plane crashes. You remember MH370? They, they still haven't recovered the craft or any of the bodies. No one knows precisely where it went down, somewhere in the Indian Ocean. And so consequently, they can't find this device. Next one, please. What is that? It's the wrong color. Don't ask me why they call it what they call it, but that is the color. What is that? No, it's not, it's orange. Okay. No, who knows why, okay. okay, it's orange. Obviously, it stands out, I'm assuming. Okay. Why don't I just call it the orange box? But look, look. they can't find it. Consequently, they can't find what happened to the aircraft. But if they did find it, in the cases when they do find these things, and they can withstand crashes of immense magnitude, okay, w- how much information about the plane does that carry? Every critical piece of information. You know, they can hear the pilot's breathing, so they say. Okay, every detail about what occurred in that cockpit and on our aircraft is recorded there. We understand something about uh, details recorded. If you've ever been to court and you're standing there for murder, you know, like we do, Robbie, sometimes, if you're standing there for murder, it's just incredible the amount of information that I've got on you. Your phone calls, where you were on such and such a date, you didn't even know someone would know. So well, look, we're familiar with information about us. That, look, we know, don't we? Look how much information that government has on us. How much do you think they got on me with a name like Montaz Ali? Seriously. okay? I can't get through an airport without random checks at every stop. It's always randomly Montez Ali. Okay, right? Who knows? You should see the log they got on me. Okay, uh, so look, look. We understand something about the detail of information in Revelation twenty. We see the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books are opened, and the ju- dead are judged according to what had been recorded in those books. God hasn't got a, a, a terrible memory like me. That is nothing that has occurred in our lives that won't be recalled there. So we face God's judgment. If that is the case, what does that mean? Okay, he knows everything about me. But look, look. you know what I think about my, my life, I'm a pretty good guy. You know the other day when I, was, when I was driving, I don't know where I was driving, but someone was waiting to pull in. Do you know what I did? I slowed down slightly so that he could get in and, and have that place. But then because he was driving a bit slow, I, I would ride behind him really close, you know, just to remind him that, you know, i have done him a favor. He owes me a favor, <laughs> right? I, I didn't really do that. Uh, okay, but look, I'm not that bad, I don't think, okay, right? So, hey, I, I'm going to do okay. And look at all the good things I've done. I've come here. <laughs> I mean, boy, you know, hey, come on, okay, I'm here. I could have been, what could I have been doing I could have been cold and wet and miserable. <laughs> and I'm thinking, yeah, <laughs> no God, no way. I, what I was thinking I'd be, I could be cold, wet and miserable back at home. But, but I could be that here too, couldn't I? I mean, that doesn't work, does it? Uh, okay, but look, look, I'm not that bad. Surely that's going to be okay. Look, have I ever I murdered somebody. I haven't run off with somebody else's partner. You know, I'm not going to rob the bank. I, I keep talking about robbing uh, Commonwealth Bank. I'm not really going to do it, Okay. I'm gonna do beyond bank instead. So you know, look, But you know, so look. I, I'm not that bad. Surely, we're not gonna come out of it that badly? If you weigh up my life, I'm pretty sure that the good I've done, will pretty well weigh out the bad. Seriously. I'm gonna be okay, eh? And you? Let's have a look, let me, let me show you. L- let's just see what the criteria is. What happens after judgment? First thing, what happens after judgment? Some will receive eternal life in heaven. That's got to be me. That's got to be me. Okay? Some will receive eternal life in heaven. On what condition? Let's have a look. Verse 28. Do not be amazed at this, for the time is coming, and has already come, uh, for a time is coming, when all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live. See, I told you. If I've done enough good, then I get in, right? I'm not sure, and uh, I'm not sure we're reading Jesus right here. I, I don't think, here, and I'm going to explain why Jesus is talking about uh, the fact that I carry an organ donor card, or the fact that I help the disabled, or, or the fact that I'm a good citizen, or you know, that I don't lie or steal not every day, uh, or, or do those bad things. I'm, I'm not sure that's what is going has in mind, friends. Look, look let, let me just put this in parallel. This is Jesus' discourse. Look, you can easily say, you know, you can easily misquote somebody when you take one phrase of a, of a dialogue. So let me add verse 24 in here. Let's see what it says in verse 24. I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me, has eternal life. Put that against 29. Those who have done good will rise to live. Alongside verse 22, whoever hears my words and believes has eternal life. What is the good? What is the good work on which our salvation turns? Faith, Faith in Jesus Christ. You see, this is the issue when you're just quoting random verses. You know, I'm not really a big fan of those mantelpiece texts. They're always out of context, okay? Right? They're always misquoting the Bible, making it say something to you they wasn't saying to you, okay? So, one of the issues with misquoting Jesus, we never get what he's saying. Yes, he's talking about judging people according to the good, but that good can't be interpreted by what I think is good. And the issue there is, what I think is good is not what Jerry thinks is good. So, you, see, you know, where you had you compared it now, what Jesus says the good is, the good he's referring to is the good of of believing in him, submitting to him, and he spells that in John 6, if I can just go, it's the next one or the one after, please, Malachi, there it is, he spells it out, look, Jesus answered, what is the work of God, what is the good work? You, do, uh, good deed get something- no, you no, know, Stephanie, normally you're spot on, that's really, really wrong, and it's an important thing because look, can you see this? That the good work is not what I've done. Jesus doesn't care how much good work I do. That would never get me to heaven. What is the good work that he's interested in? Believe, Believe in Jesus. That is a single measure of where I, where I go after the judgment. Now, now I haven't got time to this week. We may pick it up next week. That doesn't just mean We did this in home groups recently. Christianity explored. Oh, I believe Jesus existed. What does believe in Jesus mean? We did it Thursday. What does believe in Jesus mean? It doesn't just mean I believe he existed. The devil believes he existed. Trust, Trust, and there's more. Thank you, Jenny. Obey. Trust and obey. Thank you. That is it. To believe in Jesus means that I trust and obey him. Don't tell me you believe in Jesus. If your life reflects nothing of his word, you don't believe in Jesus. You're a fraud. Okay? Seriously. Don't tell me you believe in Jesus if your life doesn't reflect him in some degree. You're just a fraud. Okay? Uh, uh, to believe in Jesus means my life is shaped by his word. And that's the only good work that will determine my eternal Salvation, the work of whether or not I believe in Jesus. So some will receive eternal life in heaven. Now, what that looks like is the, is the subject of the next two or three weeks. So you need to come back for that. I'm going to put that on hold. What does it look like for those who believe? What is heaven like? That's coming, okay? So come back. Let me go back to where we are today. Some will face, some will face eternal life in heaven, but some or others will face eternal condemnation, eternal condemnation. Do not be amazed at this for a time is coming when all who in their graves will hear His voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. Again, we're not to think of the evil in exactly the same way as the parallel verse. Oh, you know, I've robbed so many banks, or I've done so many evil to a person. Uh, look, th- that certainly comes into the equation, but that's not the, that's not the pivotal point. The pivotal point, again, if we put verse 24 there, whoever hears my words and believes is the w- it has eternal life and will not be condemned. So the evil, if the good work is to believe in Jesus... There's a contrast being set up here. The evil work, and notice, it doesn't just say bad work. Okay, whatever this thing that's going to condemn us is not just bad. Okay, because we kind of think that's almost cool, don't we, in today's age? It's evil. What's the contrast between the good, which is believing in Jesus, and the bad and the evil? What's the evil, therefore? Not believing in Jesus. Okay, we may imagine then no, we oh paedophiles, they're evil. And I am sure they are. Okay. Jesus is quintessential regulator for judging what is quintessentially evil is is unbelief. unbelief. It's the sin of sin. Which means, do you know Hitler is responsible for at least 6 million Jews' death? We know that, don't we? He's responsible for 20 million deaths okay, from, uh, for in the military, whether his side or opposing sides. He's actually responsible for, in totality, something like 80 million deaths. When he throws civilians into the equation. What is the chief reason that Hitler will be condemned to death. At the, to, to an eternity of hell at the end of time. His unbelief in Jesus. You see the eighteen million people he's responsible for. Is the effect. Of his unbelief. You see, because Jesus wasn't regulating his life. Can you see the point? You see, that's why it's so evil. The moment you put yourself outside of Jesus, you can be anybody. Even a nice lady like Carol could be the most vile person you could imagine outside of Jesus. That's not a a joke, seriously. You see, that's why it's such an evil. Once you put yourself outside of Jesus' jurisdiction, I won't have his lordship. You are open to the most vilest, grossest things imaginable. And all Hitler is, is an example of what that can look like. Okay? The sin that will condemn Hitler in the first instance is unbelief. He refused to believe and have Jesus shape his life it's the ultimate demarcation point what determines our fate ultimately is our relationship to jesus everything hangs on him he's the center of everything even on where we spend our eternity friends it should be a terrifying thought that at the end of time, God is going to have us stand before him, judge us. And the chief thing he's going to judge, the chief turning point, is not do I believe in Jesus. Look, there are three billion people from seven and a half who believe in Jesus. And the devil, and the devil in there, and his millions of cohorts. Thank you, Jim. Okay, It's not, not that I believe in Jesus is that I'm shaped by Jesus. The key thing, and so the challenge to me is, Montez, who cares that you can preach a sermon, and maybe I can't even do that well. Who cares? Who cares? I know the Bible reads me well. Wow. That will do me no favors when I say, in fact, that will do me worse. That will put me in a worse position. The key thing that Jesus is interested in when I stand before him, montes, are you a servant to me and my word? Your life reflects someone who trembles when he hears my word. Let me ask you, when was the last time you heard the Bible say something, give you an instruction, and we trembled at the thought of disobeying it? When was the last time we did that? Isn't it true? Most of the time, it's like, well, you know, yeah, if I've got time, you know, if it suits my agenda. The central feature of where I stand, where I go after I'm resurrected to life is what was my response to Jesus. So there's a judgment to face after resurrection. i got a few, I've got, I've got 10 minutes. I want to just finish off with some, some graphics here. Okay, so we're going to do the graphics of heaven next time, but we're saying we're condemned on the basis of our response to Jesus. Okay, what does that look like? Condemned, I mean, that could be a cool word, couldn't it? What does condemned mean? You know, is it where I get to hang out with all my other condemned mates, drinking all all day? You know, is it a great gathering of, of us condemned men so we can have a... Great, live it up in condemnation. Because that sounds pretty exciting for most crazy people. The number of people say to me, oh, hell's going to be great. I hang out with all my mates. I mean, mean, has he got a point? Is there some substance to that? Yes, condemnation, but I'm with all my buddies, so we all do condemnation together. What is it like? Okay, what is it like? Jesus, remember, he spoke more about hell than he spoke about heaven. I'm going to give you a succinct version in just nine minutes, okay? Matthew 25, the first one. Hell is never ending. They will go away to, how long? Eternal. It's never ending. The human, what is is, is it that everyone wants to achieve? And some people think they can buy with their money. What 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 does everyone want to achieve? immortality immortality because when you finally set up your nest egg what don't you want to happen lose it it can take you 50 years to set it up okay i've got four years to go okay uh, like, it's like 50, you don't want to lose it immortality is the one thing everybody wants hell in hell we finally achieve immortality it's not in our nest egg. We're going to see shortly. You see, there's no more death. Hell is ongoing; it's everlasting. It never finishes. It's almost impossible for humans to comprehend this, but hell will never, ever end. Do we understand that? It will never cease. Secondly, hell in hell there's. Great suffering. Revelation 20. If anyone's name was not found and written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. What's, what's that fire? Remember, this is not a real lake. Remember Revelation? When I'm not reading it literally. This is not a lake. People aren't really thrown into any lakes. There's no real sulfur. There's no real fire. It's just imagery. But what does a lake of fire mean? Speak about. What does that say to you? Carol, you're going to go swimming this afternoon? Down to the lake of fire and sulfur? You come in? Get your papers on? Okay, okay. What does the lake of fire suggest? Incomprehensible. Incomprehensible. Suffering. Incomprehensible. It's the same lake as who gets thrown into a couple of verses earlier devil the same one okay incomprehensible suffering he'd be thrown into the lake of fire it's a place where there's suffering that's incomprehensible and according to our first heading is both incomprehensible suffering and how long is it for incomprehensible suffering forever? What is the only thing that makes incomprehensible suffering bearable to us? What is the only thing that gives us any solace in it? It's the fact that... No, anybody, when you're suffering, what's the one thing that gives you some hope? That it will end. That it will end eternal, incomprehensible suffering has no hope. It will never end, ever. The degree will never change, ever. It'll be suffering and suffering and suffering and suffering and suffering forever. Point C, hell, the reason it's suffering is because it's penal. Look, in our judicial system, we don't... I don't know if it's like this in in, in here, but in Britain, when you put someone into prison, it's not penal. It's reform. What does that mean? What's he he meant to mean? What does that mean? Yeah, you're not punishing them, because that's not nice. Seriously, it's true. They they just killed somebody, which wasn't nice, but you can't punish them, because that's not nice. It's reform okay uh, we don't understand we uh, uh, you know the penalty system and punishment is something that we're not very familiar with because you know we don't like punishment uh, we are okay with reform we don't want to punish somebody hell is not reform it's penal it's punishment it's vengeance it's why it will hurt so much listen to this text 2 Thessalonians 1, 8, 9. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction. It means destruction that just goes on and on and on. Can you see the quintessential reason why God will punish men and women for their response to Jesus? The reason hell is such a terrible place is because it's punishment. It's penal. And the last one, in hell, there's no repentance. Why does God go on punishing people forever and ever and ever? Because in hell, there's no... No one turns from their sin. No one says, oh God, I now get it. I've been a terrible guy. I'm sorry, will you let me out? The reason he lets no one out is because there's no repentance or remorse or regret in hell. listen, listen, listen to this verse. He'll throw them into the fiery furnace furnace where they'll be weeping, terrible pain. And what's that mean? Okay, I'll give you an example. Uh, I need a hardened guy. Okay, here's one. Well, he'll do. Okay, this is what he means, okay? Nashing teeth. Ah! Okay, what is that? What is that? Someone tell me what that was. Anger, ongoing rage. There's no repentance in hell. What are the people who've been punished doing towards God? Shaking their fists at him. Even hell doesn't bring them to Repentance instead instead of being humbled, they are more angry more rage i hate him and so the punishment goes on and on and on and on in conjunction with the increase in rage and rage and rage towards god let me ask you why is there no repentance in heaven in hell what's what's the why why technically why yeah it's opportunity why because in because there's no grace there this is the opportunity this is the grace today is the day of salvation you see repentance is a gift in this opportune time now is the day of salvation It goes there. There is no opportunity of repentance. You can't create repentance yourself. You have to get it from Jesus, and you can't get any there because hell is a vacuum of Jesus' presence. So there's no repentance, only increased rage. That's hell. It's sobering. It's real. Jesus spoke about it more than he spoke about heaven, which means you need me to speak about it more often than I do. And don't you get complaining when I do. Okay. What do we do with this? What do we do with this? Two things, and I'll conclude with this very briefly. Firstly, it's was he therefore what did Jesus speak? It's to warn us to shun hell by coming before Jesus and bowing in humility, remorse, and repentance, and pleading with him for mercy. The reason I'm preaching this today, the reason Jesus spoke so much of it, the reason why I need to preach more of this, is because it's designed to be a deterrent to you. Let me tell you straight, okay? You know I don't, I, don't, I don't pull my punches. That is your destination. Hell is your destination where it's penal, where it never ends, it's immense suffering, and you remain in anger towards God. That's where you're going. That's where I am going. Unless I bow the knee to Jesus, make Him my Lord and Master, and live my life, a life of faith in response to His Word. Otherwise, that is my destination. I want to challenge you. That is where you will find yourself forever. Unless you come to a place of repentance and faith in Jesus. And that doesn't mean I'll come to this church. Who cares? You can go to another one. Okay, what it means is, that I'm actively believe and I'm living the Christian life. Let me challenge you. Are you just a church comer? I fear for you. I fear for you. And you may, may be in membership. I still fear for you. You see, just coming to church isn't enough, guys. Your membership isn't enough. Don't tell me you're a member of the church. What's that going to count for? Do you actively Believe in Jesus. Are you actively having his words shape you? Do you tremble at it? Is he the apple of your eye? Do you love him more than anything else? Is he your king? Otherwise, hell is your future. My future. The first reason that Jesus says these things is to be a deterrent to us. Whoever believes is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Do something before it's too late. You're a fool if you leave this building today without putting your life right before God. You're a fool. Do it before you leave. Come and speak to me. I'll pray with you. Lead you to Jesus. And I'll pastor you with the help of this church. So you can go on with your life in Jesus. The second thing, it's to motivate and follow us up for doing mission, for making disciples of all nations, whatever the cost. When Jesus says these words, who really cares? I'm so busy. I've got my life. I've got my family to look after. I've got my life to try and make here. I've got plans. I've got things. Who cares about giving up my life to tell people about Jesus? What a waste of my time. The reality of hell that is my motivator for doing this job i'm telling you i don't i don't do this job because i love it sometimes i hate it most days okay it's because they're going to hell otherwise guys can you see why jesus spoke to us about hell so graphically it's to stir us up he's saying. Don't you see where your brother, where your mom, where your kid is going to end up? Don't you see it? Let me show you, said Jesus. Now do you see? Now do you understand? Go then. Go. Go wherever. Go and die doing it. Do whatever you have to. Just go and do it. Make disciples. Otherwise they're going to hell. You know why it's so encouraging when we raise all that money for next door? Because that isn't about kids playing. Who cares? I can pay warehouse, wacky warehouse, $10 and my child can play. It's because that $40,000 is to give these little kids a reason to come to this church. So, I can tell them about Jesus and save them from hell. Do you see? That's what it's to motivate us, Christian. If we ever needed a motivation to make disciples, to put ourselves out for it, it because otherwise they go to hell forever. Therefore, says Jesus, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Let's be earnest. Let's seek his mercy when we've neglected the gospel. Let's be earnest in making disciples of all nations. Amen.